Welcome to another episode of Viatorian Voices Conversations on the Way. This is pre-associate Dan Masterton from Vocation Ministry, and I'll be your host for this episode. Today I speak with Father Mark Francis, CSV. We heard from Father Mark about Viatorian leadership in episode 16. Today he's here to talk about the consistent ethic of life, an integral Catholic social teaching that life is dignified and valuable from conception to natural death. The consistent ethic of life was articulated by the late Cardinal Joseph Bernadine, Archbishop of Chicago from 1982 until his death in 1996 from pancreatic cancer. Father Francis had many interactions with Cardinal Bernadine during Father Francis's time as a professor, as Viatorian Superior General, and also with peers and protégés of the Cardinal while Father Francis was president of Catholic Theological Union, where the Bernadine Center is based. In this conversation, we tap into this connection with Cardinal Bernadine to unpack the consistent ethic of life. I started by asking Father Francis to define the consistent ethic of life a little bit further. Enjoy the conversation. Well, the consistent ethic of life is something very basic to, uh, to Catholic social teaching. It is the, uh, the conviction and the belief that uh, human life, all human life, has dignity from conception to, to death and that it's the duty of, of Christians always to, to respect that life in all its forms. And so that means basic respect for everyone, regardless of culture, religion, race. Uh, every human being is made in the image of God. And so one of the documents of the Second Vatican Council, Dignitatis Humanae, speaks of, of, of this as uh, a, a basic uh, a given for all of our Catholic approach to life, and it has to be observed if we're going to be, if we're going to consider ourselves Christians. So then, Cardinal Bernadine, the late Archbishop here in Chicago, is credited with articulating the consistent ethic of life in a way that responds to this Catholic social teaching theme. So over your years of different ministries, what were your interactions with the Cardinal? How do you remember him? What was he like? Cardinal was an extraordinary person. Uh, I had the occasion to have uh, several dinners with him, conversations. He was a person who was especially attentive to people, especially people kind of on the margins. And one of the things I, I, I observed about him in, in, in social situations is that uh, he'd, there'd be people talking who knew each other and this kind of thing, but other people perhaps that weren't uh, really known to the particular group he was with or whatever, and he would search those people out and talk to them and bring them into conversation with others. And that always impressed me. It was something that he always did. It's something that I try to learn from, too. How do you think his actions and words gave witness? Because I think sometimes as preachers or as leaders, we can say things and we don't necessarily live them out. But the Cardinal was known for being a man of integrity and a really consistent leader. Do you remember things he did or said? kind of follow up on the teaching that became well-known? Well, I think one of the key things that, that happened during his time here in Chicago was this, uh, the false accusation of sexual abuse. He approached it in, in such a thoughtful and charitable way where he never lashed out at people who accused him falsely. He constantly sought to reconcile himself and to be as open and as honest as, as he could with everyone. The, the whole case kind of dragged on for a while. And when the individual who had accused him realized that he, he was basically suffering from false memory, I know that uh, he, he went to this individual and sat with him, forgave him, 
and had mass with him. That, that's an, an extraordinary example of, of pastoral care and someone who, in a real sense, uh, exemplified the presence of Christ for others. What do you remember of his, his illness? Because Cardinal Bernardine became very ill at the end of life, but was very public about what he was going through, how he was feeling. He was frequently photographed and shown on news broadcasts going in and out of the hospital to receive treatment. And even though he was terminally ill, he was very proactive about modeling uh, the dignity and quality of life that he still experienced and really sharing the spirituality of what that whole process was like. What do you remember about Cardinal Bernadine's illness? Well, you know, he was, he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and that's a very lethal form of cancer. Uh, but he made that very public to everyone. And basically, what I saw him doing was modeling for others the best way to die. And that was in, in communion with others, reaching out. He was consistently concerned about other people, even though he was dying. He constantly uh, reached out to others and asked how they were, uh, would tell them they were praying for him. And he also, when he was in treatment uh, at Loyola Medical Center, he would visit other patients and kind of sit with them and walk with them as they dealt with the same thing, which is our mortality. And uh, you know, he represents, uh, I think, one of the, the, best, the best examples of someone on how to die well. Uh, we, we don't think about that very much. We kind of avoid it. We try to push it out of our consciousness. But he was someone who brought that forward in a way that was convincing and, and life-giving. Being conscious of the fact that you're going to die is something that gives you real sense and purpose of life. I went to Catholic Theological Union for grad school. And I was awarded a Bernadine Scholarship, which is part of the Bernadine Center for Theology and Ministry at CTU. And it just so happened that after I was offered the scholarship, my mom was very sick, and we found out that she was pretty close to dying. And I was reading Cardinal Bernadine's book at the time about the dignity of death. At that point, my mom couldn't interact with us anymore. But his spirituality of confronting death and acknowledging the way that it empowers you to live a life of fidelity was a really odd dissonance to come into, but that kind of paradox is at the center of our faith. And his example is, it was prophetic. So with Catholic Theological Union, where you were the president for several years, a center was founded in his name, following in this legacy of the consistent ethic of life. What is the purpose of the Cardinal Bernadine Center, and what are the things that the center was responsible for and is doing for the church and for the wider community in his name and in his legacy? When the, when the Cardinal was dying, he was approached by people on our faculty, on CTU's faculty, to want to continue his legacy. And he readily accepted that. And so the center was set up at Catholic Theological Union to promote his pastoral uh, priorities. And among those pastoral priorities, certainly this consistent ethic of life, the seamless garment that uh, you know, we talk about, uh, but also uh, ecumenical and interfaith relationships. The whole question of reconciliation in the whole of society, because he noted the great division within both society and the church in terms of a lot of different things, uh, and, you know, the conservatives versus the progressives and, and, and this kind of thing, is that we have to look at uh, what we have in common. And we, that, that needs to be the, the focal point rather than to, uh, to look at what divides us and to argue among ourselves. And so, you know, all of these things were part of his legacy, and they are being continued at CTU. Uh, there was a lecture uh, just the other day 
uh, on the question of indigenous people uh, in terms of their dignity and, and how that dignity often was, was overlooked by the church and the need for reconciliation and, and really repentance on the part of the church toward Native Americans. And I think two of things I was involved with through my younger days and then as a grad student, like Catholics on Call, former Peace Builders Initiative, and then these ongoing dialogues between Catholics and Muslims, Catholics and Jewish people, and then even just the lecture series and the events at CTU take on this characteristic of inclusiveness, like you described the Cardinal at these functions, where there are literally seats at the table for anyone who wants to come and talk and listen. And it creates this really positive dialogue. And it feels like there's a constructiveness that befits the Cardinal's legacy for sure. So we talked about the seamless garment for a second here and there. That comes from the gospel, from the moment when the soldiers stripped Jesus of his clothing. Can you explain that passage a little bit and what it means and why Cardinal Bernadine kind of grabbed onto it for the consistent ethic? Well, it was originated by a moral theologian about 10 years before Cardinal Bernadine started to use it. But it's, it's a sim, it's, it's simply states that, you know, our respect and concern for human life uh, needs to be consistent. And that shouldn't be divided. It shouldn't be split. And this is because they're using this, this metaphor of Christ's uh, mantle, which was a, a seamless garment that the Roman soldiers didn't, didn't want to uh, divide because he would ruin it if you divided it. Uh, but the whole issue is, you know, we, we as Catholics, of course, are, are known for being against abortion as, as uh, a terrible thing. And the Cardinal, of course, taught that as well. But he said, we can't be, if we're not, we have to be consistent, though, in terms of how we're looking at human life. And human life in the womb is very important, but also human life in, in other moments is very important. So, for example, we also have to be equally opposed to a capital punishment. To taking a human life is never, is never something that we should do as human beings because of our concern for the dignity of human life. The other, the other question, too, of, uh, you know, unjust wars. All the people that are dying, I, when I was thinking about uh, this interview, I was thinking about uh, Ukraine and the terrible things that are going on. The church has got to be against war, especially some stupid war like the, the one in, in, in Ukraine where so many people are suffering so needlessly. It's not enough simply to show respect to human life but we have to show respect to human life in our actions and our policies. There's a question of, uh, when we're talking about abortion, we, yes, okay, we have to be against abortion, but we also have to be able to say that we are going to work and strive to, to make it possible for women to make the choice not to have an abortion, because so many, because of where they are and their poverty and their exclusion, sometimes feel that they have no other alternative. There's this, this wonderful paragraph from Joan Chittis, Benedictine nun, who's very, uh, very pro prolific author. And so, so I, I just want to share that with you because I think it, it, it kind of sums up how the cardinal also would put this in, into perspective. And so, so Sister Joan wrote, I do not believe that just because you were opposed to abortion that that makes you pro-life. In fact, I think in many cases your morality is deeply lacking if all you want is a child born, but not a child fed, a child educated, a child housed, and why would I think that you don't? Because you don't want any tax money to go there? That's not pro-life. That's pro-birth. We need a much broader conversation on what the morality of pro-life is. And this is very consistent with what the Cardinal taught as well. 
And I think that uh, we have to look at issues of, of life as also issues of how do we promote human flourishing in all its, in, in, in its various ways. And, and how important it is for us as Catholics to reach out and be concerned with that other uh, great social teaching, the common good. Because the common good is going to make us uh, credible in terms of, if we say we're pro-life, then we have to promote the life of everyone, not just certain people. I especially liked the language of the seamless garment of this fine linen that had no weak points, no seams, that shouldn't be torn apart when working with young people. Because when young people are potentially sensing phoniness or hypocrisy in the church or in its leaders or ministers, and you invite them to talk about things that are important to them, like health care, education, gun control, um, caring for marginalized communities, you could point back to the seamless garment, to the culture of life of John Paul II, to the consistent ethic that Cardinal Bernadine would talk about and say, this is something that we can and should apply to our social ministries, our outreach, to the life of the church from conception to natural death. And I don't know that it necessarily changed any minds, but it at least provided a language of kind of a reframing or a fresh approach that young people could seize on in a new way. So I'm grateful to Cardinal Bernadine. In your decades as a Viatorian in leadership and as just a religious, how have you seen the men and women of the Viatorian community living and serving in a way that reflects the dignity and value of human life? Well, you know, I've been very blessed in terms of my uh my association with the community in various roles. One of the things I think that sticks out in my mind is uh, at a time of great social unrest in the Ivory Coast. I did a visit there. It was, there's a civil war going on. And this is where we have a foundation with one of our other provinces. We, yeah, you know, with the province of France uh, established this. Uh, we have several schools in the Ivory Coast and a uh, retreat house and that kind of thing. But during this time of civil war, when people were starving, when uh, conditions were really terrible, it was a Viatorian parish in the middle of uh, Ivory Coast that opened its doors to everybody, Christian, Muslim, Protestant, everybody came there and was able to be fed and and nourished because of the contributions that the Viatorians from other countries had made in order to to give them life, to, to support them. But that's a consistent kind of thing that we do around the world. We look at where there's a need and where there's a, a, a problem in terms of uh, people's dignity not being respected and them not being supported, that we try, we try to answer that need. To, we try to read the signs of the times in order to do that. So that involves questions of, of like basic food and shelter and things like that, but also education, which is uh, pretty much our specialty as well. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you to Father Mark Francis for his time and his reflections on the consistent ethic of life. The Gospel of John says, When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four shares, a share for each soldier. They also took his tunic, but the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from the top down. So they said to one another, Let's not tear it. This seamless garment is a metaphor for the unbreakable and wholly, completely dignified value of life. May our words and actions uphold a consistent ethic of life. To learn more about the Bernadine Center and Catholic Theological Union, of which the Viatorians are a sponsoring community, visit ctu.edu slash bernadine-center. That's ctu.edu slash bernadine-center.
To learn more about the Viatorians or invite a vocational accompaniment, email us at vocations at viatorians.com or DM us on social media at Viatorian USA. On behalf of Brother John and the Viatorian community, I'm pre-associate Dan Masterton. Venerable Louis Kerbs, inspire us. St. Vider, pray for us. Adored and loved be Jesus. Here's one bonus segment of my conversation with Father Mark Francis, in which he talks about the roots of the dignity and value of human life, tracing all the way back to the early church. The question of, of human dignity was something that, that, that has always been part of uh, our Christian heritage. And even from the beginning, uh, Christopher Dawson, a great uh, historian of the, of the church, uh, makes the point that the thing that distinguishes Christians most from, from pagans when uh, the church was, uh, was just beginning was the fact that they, they did respect life and that Christians, as opposed to uh, their pagan counterparts, would never practice infanticide, which was something that was very common in the ancient world, where if you, had, if you gave birth to a deformed child or even a girl who you didn't want, many times the, the child would be uh, taken out and exposed on the hillside to die. But Christians consistently spoke against that because of our, our belief in human dignity. Uh, and so uh, I think that's, that's very important. Even in the early church, in the first catechumenates that they had, if, if you wanted to enter the catechumenate, and this is the first, second, third, fourth century, any prof- profession that involved killing anybody, was you were automatically excluded unless you lived, left that profession. So gladiators could not become catechumens. Soldiers could not become catechumens. Magistrates who condemned people to death could not become catechumens because of our uh, conviction that human life is sacred. 